Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description. Welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we'll be looking at the 1994 movie, The Santa Claus. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, but rather giving overall impressions of the film and the songs from the film. We will also be giving a score to the film and ranking the songs, though that's not really true in this film either because there aren't really any songs in it. So string some popcorn, sit back, and enjoy this episode. The Santa Claus is a 1994 American Christmas comedy drama written by Leo Benvenuti and Steve Rudnick and directed by John Pasquin. The first film in the Santa Claus film series, it stars Tim Allen as Scott Calvin, an ordinary man who accidentally causes Santa Claus to fall from his roof on Christmas Eve. When he and his young son, Charlie, finish St. Nick's trip and deliveries, they go to the North Pole, where Scott learns he must become the new Santa Claus and convince those he loves that he is indeed Santa Claus. The film released on November 11th, 1994, and it grossed $189 million. It received positive reviews from critics and has become a Christmas time staple among viewers. Its success led to two sequels, The Santa Claus 2, released in 2002, and The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause, released in 2006. Both were financially successful, but suffered from critical decline. The film was produced by Robert Neumeyer, Brian Riley, and Jeffrey Silver. The cinematography was by Walt Lord. It was edited by Larry Bach, and the music is by Michael Conventino. And the production companies were the Walt Disney Pictures, Hollywood Pictures, and Outlaw Productions. It was distributed by Buena Vista Pictures. As previously stated, it was released November 11th, 1994. It has a runtime of 97 minutes. Its budget was $22 million, or just over $41 million today. And the box office was $189.8 million, or $354.8 million today. That's impressive. Yeah. So let's dive into the plot. I just want to point out, I have a note here before any plot, because I loved the Christmas melody that played with the opening credits. Even with the Walt Disney Castle popping up, it didn't have that, you know, traditional... It just had like Christmas music playing. It was a little different and I liked it. Um, That was nice. Yeah. So Scott Calvin, played by Tim Allen, is a divorced father and ad executive with a young son, Charlie. On Christmas Eve, Charlie, played by Eric Lloyd, comes over to spend the night with Scott before going back to his mother's for Christmas Day. And I have notes here right, right off the start. The opening shots of the film establish that Scott Calvin is a rich jerk. 
he cuts off his coworker when she is thanking everyone at their company for all their hard work and everything and grabs the literally grabs the microphone out of her hands and yeah. starts talking. He lies to his ex-wife about traffic being so bad he'll be late to pick up their son, which shows, you know, he's a jerk and a liar, but he also has a car phone in 1994. Uh, for those of it you It is a hilarious scene though, him being like I'm in traffic. Oh yeah, it it is funny. But uh, it's just shown that he's a jerk because he stayed at the party way too late and now he's going to yeah. be late to get his son. But for those of you who weren't around in 1994 who might be listening, that means he was very, very rich. It was at least $500 to have a car phone in your car in 1994. If not, you know, depending on how strong of a signal you wanted, you could get up into the thousands to have a car phone in your yeah. car. And I also wrote down that Scott is very ignorant. When his son says that Neil is smart because he's a doctor, Scott incorrectly states that he is not a doctor. He's a psychiatrist and a psychiatrist is a doctor. <laughs> like they have a that medical degree. Uh, yeah. If you had to go get your doctorate, you are a doctor yeah. of something. Hmm. Yeah. And my next note here is Charlie's line to his mother, where he asks her if he quote unquote, or he, he says, quote unquote, do I got to stay? Meaning, does he have to stay at his father's house for Christmas Eve? And it just broke my heart. Like he says to her, he's like, you know, well, come pick me up as soon as the sun's up. I want you here. Like to get, like, he does not want to spend any time with his father. He feels so terrible. You know what sucks too is like, obviously, Scott is can hear this too. Like, you're not like gonna be like, oh man, my son hates spending time with me. Maybe I should be a better dad. Yeah. No, no, the problem is Charlie. And then I have here a note from Charlie to Scott. So Scott tries to make a Christmas dinner for them and he ends up catching the turkey on fire and has to put it out with an an extinguisher. They go to Denny's to have their Christmas dinner where it's shown. Yes, Um, when all the other dads who screwed up their dinner or either just decided they couldn't make dinner and they decided to go to Denny's. Yeah, but when they get back and Charlie says to Scott that, you know, he has to leave out milk and cookies for Santa. And Scott says, okay, well, I'll, I'll start warming up the oven. Charlie says to him, don't forget the fire extinguisher. It just, it cracked me up. But that night, they are awakened by a clatter on the roof. Going outside to investigate, Scott can see someone on the roof. He yells at the trespasser, which causes the man to lose his balance and fall to his death. He appears to be Santa Claus. And a little note here, the actor that did the fall was actually Tim Allen's stunt double for the movie, Steve. That's interesting. Yeah, Steve Lachushi. I think I'm saying that correctly, but I apologize if I'm not, Steve. But Santa magically disappears after his fatal fall, but his familiar red and white suit remains. Scott and Charlie find a card in his pocket, which reads, if something should happen to me, put on the suit. The reindeer will know what to do. <sighs> we're we're going to get into this in a moment, but Santa sleigh and eight reindeer are, fa- are found perched on top of the house. Scott puts on the suit to please Charlie and begins delivering toys from rooftop to rooftop. So I have a couple notes here. My first one is the reindeer traveling. Boy, CGI has come a long way since 1994. Yes, it has. Yeah, it really looks terrible looking at it today. It's this is not the most pretty film. Like in some ways, this is a weird Christmas classic film, but I don't know how it has maintained that because it doesn't look good. Yeah. Uh it's not 
you know, there's a lot of overall things that kind of make you cringe now in these days where a lot of things that go on aren't acceptable. I mean, we just talked about all the stuff Scott does right at the beginning of the movie that are mm. like, oh yeah, that's great. Mm. And especially if it came out today, could you imagine, I mentioned how he cut off his coworker when they were giving their speech, but it was a black woman. Like, yeah, it, even, in, even more importantly, than, yeah, in today's audience, people and it's Tim Allen doing it in today's audience, people would lose their minds. Oh, well, I mean, if they made this movie, Tim Allen would never get no matter how much he begged, he would never get this role yeah. today. Yeah, there would be no way that they'd be like, no. Yeah, you're right. Not that. They would give it to Johnny Depp before they gave it to him for like, (laughs) like, and I don't think they really want to give Johnny Depp work either, but I don't think they will give Tim Allen work. You know, you know who would make an awesome uh, Santa today? uh, If they wanted to do it, Jason Momoa. (laughs) He would be the perfect, the Santa. In fact, just keep this continuity going. Have Tim Allen fall off of Jason Momoa's roof and Jason Momoa take over as Santa Claus. Like keep the continuity going. But listen, that's something like the whole Santa dying. Okay, the guy falls. He's not dead immediately, even though he's not responsive because he waves goodbye to them right before he disappears. So like he's just laying there dying and he knows what's going to happen, like that they're going to put on the suit. And like, it's very dark to think about this whole once you put on the suit it's it's you're forced to be santa like it doesn't matter what you did in life like this is your life now it's a curse in a way like it it really is but i have a few more notes here uh comet giving scott attitude when he doesn't want to deliver any more presents i love it like comet was just great um was having none of it (laughs) and I also wrote down, so what do the adults of this universe think happens when presents that they didn't buy show up on their in their homes on Christmas Day? I can only assume they think the other parent is lying. Like, you know. I guess. Mom goes, did you buy that? No, did you, you didn't buy that? You and they just go to go about their day assuming said parents are lying. Like, or, or like, oh, grandma, grandpa must have shown up. Or yeah. like, great aunt, whatever, must have showed up. And like, we must have snuck that in at some point And we or didn't notice. Maybe uh, the elves you've used their magic to charge those people's credit cards for these gifts or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know either. But going back into the plot, their final stop is the North Pole. The head elf, Bernard, played by David Krumholtz, shows Scott a tiny inscription on the card which states that upon the death of the previous occupant, whoever wears the suit assumes the identity of Santa Claus and all the responsibilities that go with it. This is the quote-unquote Santa Claus, Claus with an E, as stated by Bernard. You put on the suit, you're the big guy. In other words, whether Scott likes it or not, he is now Santa Claus for life. He also, Bernard, that is, gives Charlie a snow globe. And my note here is Bernard's anger over Scott's refusal to be the new Santa. I wonder how many times he's had this conversation, like how many times a new Santa has shown up that he's had to explain it to him. Oh yeah, he's definitely had this conversation a few times. Yeah. And I also imagine that, you know, there's probably other people who are like, wait, I'm Santa now. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I could imagine if 300 years ago you were some sort of peasant or something and this happened 
now all of a sudden, oh my God, I'm going to get to eat milk and cookies. All, like, well, I get I'm, to sure, eat. So, I'm sure also like if you don't have like a family or anything that mm-hmm. much, like you're like, sure, I'll go be Santa. Why yeah. not? Then Scott meets an elf named Judy, played by Paige Tamata, who tells Scott that he only has 11 months until next Thanksgiving to get his affairs in order before becoming Santa Claus full time, which he tries to refuse. Charlie She's spent 1200 years making that hot cocoa perfect though remember that she does um also there's an awkward like flirting scene between the two of them and like there is I was wondering do you think the cocoa is what seals the deal because after he drinks the cocoa is when he starts getting fat like like do you think that's when the magic kicks in it's like oh because she said she spent 1200 years getting it like perfect Maybe like it was part of the spell to make the person become the next Santa or Maybe. something. Who knows? Yeah, but you're right. There is an awkward flirting scene where she says that she's seeing someone in gift wrapping already. Because he, he says, oh, you look great for your age being 1200. And she goes, I'm seeing someone in gift wrapping. Like it, even though this is a child actress playing this role, it's uh, it's strange. Yeah, it's definitely awkward and strange. Like I know like, yeah, she's supposed to be 1200 years old. But it's like, who? decided this line needed to be in this movie yeah agreed so charlie and scott spend the night at the factory the next morning they wake up back in scott's home where the only indication of their previous night's adventures is scott's new silk pajamas with sc which stands for either santa claus or scott calvin monogrammed on them scott dismisses it all as a dream soon however Scott starts gaining weight, and his boss, Mr. Whittle, played by Peter Boyle, likens him to the Pillsbury Doughboy. He develops a ravenous taste for Christmas treats like cookies and hot cocoa. And I have a few notes here. Scott explaining his weight gain to his boss as a bee sting. I just wrote, in December? <laughs> like he I mean, I've a gotten a bee sting in November before, so like, There's if it's snow a particularly warm December... There's snow on the ground. I know. No. Gotta suspend display. Maybe he was at an apiary or like an indoor apiary. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Also, Scott has gained 45 pounds in one week, and his doctor tells him to cut back on the milk and cookies. And I just wrote, come on, 45 pounds in one week is not feasible. Like bugs me about this film it's like Scott's gaining all this weight and all this stuff is happening to him and like people aren't more concerned about it like in a like health stance like are you are you okay we need to like have you on monitors 24 7 you are not okay everybody's just kind of like stop messing around Scott what are you doing Scott yeah yeah like you're you're screwing up Charlie (laughs) doing this kind of stuff yeah yeah. like he's just messing around on purpose he gained all this weight you're not concerned like I can get their divorce but like shouldn't you be slightly more concerned that your ex-husband is going to die because that's where my thought would be yeah and my final note for this part says television airings of this film edit out the scene where Scott's doctor tells him to pull up his shirt for a heart check Scott's heartbeat is to the tune of jingle bells so yeah interesting yeah evidently they found it too jiggly his chest to be on you know regular television so okay then even though it's a man's chest and whatever we won't go into it like you said wholesome christmas episodes um 
So Scott grows a long gray beard and shaving it has no effect. It instantly grows back. His hair also whitens despite all efforts to dye it. He somehow knows who has been naughty and who has been nice. And children, who seem to know he's Santa Claus, despite Scott not dressing the part, approach him with gift requests. And I mentioned in the previous episode how I was Santa at a company I used to work for and the children were afraid of me. I also put that note in here as well. Um, I just found it interesting. I just, I don't like, that whole section was weird. Like I get it's supposed to be like, look, he's doing all this weird stuff. And again, nobody is more concerned. Like, yeah. Oh, your all your hair went from being dark brown to being white within a couple months. And this beard that you seemingly shave every day just comes back. You know, I don't, I don't know. Which he could easily do to like prove to somebody that it's happening too. Like, yeah, very true. But Scott's rapid transformation worries his ex-wife, Laura, played by Wendy Cruson, and her new husband, psychiatrist Neil Miller, played by Judge Reinhold, who tries to terminate his visitation rights to Charlie. They question Scott's mental stability and believe that his changes are attempts at getting Charlie to like him. So right there, even their concern is the concern over Charlie, not over Scott. Yeah, I mean, I understand them being like, okay, something's wrong here. Like, you're mentally unstable. I'm like, yes, but you should also be concerned of how he's gaining all that weight and making all these changes so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, if he was losing all that weight, you'd be very concerned that he had lost like 50 pounds in like two months. You'd be like, oh my God, what's wrong? Right. But gaining 50 pounds, you're like, but what's mentally wrong with you? Like, yeah. no, he could have like a giant tumor for all you know, like- well, and it's not even two months. If you gain 45 pounds over two months, that's at least a little bit more believable. But it was in a week that he gained 45 pounds. Like a week is not feasible to gain that amount of weight. I don't care, you know, how much you eat or whatever. You can't, yeah. you can't gain 45 pounds in a week. But eventually Scott's visitation rights to Charlie are taken away. Disheartened, Scott begins to lose some of his certainty about his job as Santa. While visiting Charlie on Thanksgiving, Charlie's insistence that Scott is Santa reawakens Scott's magic, and he, with Bernard's help, whisk Charlie away to the North Pole. Laura and Neil, who think Scott has kidnapped Charlie against his will, call the police, who launch a massive investigation. Meanwhile, at the North Pole, Charlie helps Scott and the elves perfect a new sleigh, and communication devices. Charlie calls occasionally, but this only reinforces Laura and Neil's belief that he is being held against his will. Eventually, Scott, as Santa Claus, goes on his Christmas Eve trip, but is arrested while delivering presents to Charlie's home and is falsely accused of kidnapping him. I I wrote down here, I love the interaction that Scott has with the little girl that he was mean yeah, to. Yeah, that before. is one of the best parts of this movie. Like both yeah. times he interacts with her is kind of great. Yeah, he said she says to him that you're fatter this year, and he's just like, "Oh, thank you." And then he is disgusted by the soy milk that she gave him because the previous year he told her that he was lactose intolerant. And you know, um, this is also supposed to show like, "Oh, he's such a good guy, happy guy now." Like yeah. he's so sweet to this little girl who he's kind of rude to before. Yeah, exactly. I also wrote down the suit that Scott wore this year is much nicer than the previous year's uh, suit. And what really made me think that was the black belt instead of the red sash. Yeah. 
It's just more iconic. Yeah, it's more iconically Santa, in my opinion. And when Scott Calvin is being interrogated by the police, he gives alternate names for Santa Claus. However, the last name he gives, Topo Gijo, is not actually a name for Santa Claus, but the name of a small Italian mouse puppet that appeared many times on the Ed Sullivan show in the 1940s. You know, he says Chris Kringle, a yeah. bunch of different names, but yeah, the last one, which I always assumed Topo Gijo was a name for Santa Claus somewhere until I saw this note. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Moving right along, a team of rescue elves called the ELFS, which we never actually find out what that acronym stands for. It's just I what... think they do say it. Oh, I just don't they? remember what it is. Hmm. I don't remember it. But moving right. I have it written down in my notes. Yeah. The team of rescue elves free Scott from jail by tying up the front desk guard and using tinsel to break through the bars, which Scott is very impressed by, and fly Scott and Charlie home to his parents, to whom Scott slash Santa gives the presents they always wanted since childhood but never got. Laura gets a vintage mystery date game, and Neil gets an Oscar Mayer weenie whistle. It was because of them not getting these presents that they were convinced that Santa Claus didn't exist. Ah, yes. One present makes all the difference in the world. And now they believe. Yeah. Laura finally realizes her mistake of not accepting Scott as the new Santa Claus and tosses the custody papers into the fireplace and welcomes Scott to come see Charlie anytime he wants. Bernard tells Charlie that the snow globe is magic. Anytime he wants his father to visit, all he has to do is shake it. Neil offers Charlie an apology for refusing to accept that Scott is really the new Santa, and Charlie forgives him. After 10 minutes, Charlie shakes his snow globe, and Scott comes back, saying he was off to Cleveland and takes Charlie with him. And my final note here, I wrote that Neil tells Charlie that one day he'll make a, a great psychiatrist, and Charlie says that he plans to go into the family business. So I was wondering, is he planning on murdering his father? I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Or does he just plan it working at the workshop, you know, like hanging out with all the elves? Yeah, possibly. So as previously mentioned, there are no real songs in this film. There's background songs and everything, but nothing that the characters actually sing. So mm-hmm. I, have, I have some trivia here. My first note here is that at one point of the movie, a brief exchange between Scott and Laura takes place in which Laura hands Scott a piece of paper with Neil's mother's phone number on it. Scott then says, 1-800-SPANK-ME. I know that number. So this is actually cut from the Disney Plus version. And mm-hmm. it's cut from like when it airs on TV. Yes. This was because... It's an actual real number uh, that is a working adult line number, shall we say? Uh, that, you know, my dad has the DVD. So yeah, yeah, you, you can you can still see the scene on the VHS, the laser disc, and and the DVD. But yeah, it's just interesting that they cut it. But good that they did that. The Santa Claus would be released on DVD on November 29th, two thousand two. It was released in the THX ver- uh, certified widescreen and full versions. This is the only film in the Santa Claus trilogy to be rated P- PG. The other two are rated G. For one week in November of 1994, 
Tim Allen had the number one movie at the box office, The Santa Claus, the number one rated television show, Home Improvement, and the number one New York Times bestselling book, Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man. This is the first lead role in a film for Tim Allen. Mm -hmm. There are elves scattered throughout the movie in Scott and Charlie's world. The little blonde girl walking away from the window at the opening of the movie. The little boy putting his jacket on and wearing a red scarf as Scott and Charlie are led to their seats in Denny's. The little girl walking behind the bench when Scott has kids lined up at Charlie's soccer game. The girl in the, in the purple coat who walks by Scott and Charlie in the park when Scott wants Charlie to stop talking about the Santa Claus. The attentive little boy in the blue turtleneck behind Charlie's desk during show and tell are all elves. They show up as a group at the end of the movie when Scott flies away from the Miller's house and they are the kids who run and skip off. It's so fascinating because that means they were around this whole time, like mm. even before him being Santa, really. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe there are certain people that could be potentially become Santa, so the elves are always watching over them. Maybe. I don't know. Weird. There is a hidden Mickey when Scott and Charlie are leaving the North Pole in the sleigh and pass by the moon. The moon has a distinct Mickey logo on it. When Charlie and the new Santa return to the North Pole, for the new Christmas, Bernard introduces the tech-savvy elf, Quentin, who proceeds to tell Santa about the gadgets the sleigh now has. This is a nod to the James Bond series character, Q, who is the technology master for James Bond's vehicles. Tim Allen has a criminal record, and Disney has a strict no-hiring ex-cons policy. The, an exception was made for this case. And now mm -hmm. fin finally, a note that I hope Ashley didn't read. Um, I did not read. Okay. I have put us on top of it, so I can't okay. see it. Okay, good. There were several actors. Well, I just want to say the role was originally written, the role of Scott Calvin was originally written for Bill Murray. And watching the movie, I could see how someone with Bill Murray or someone would think someone with Bill Murray's sense of humor would be perfect mm -hmm. for this role. However, he declined it saying he didn't think it suited him. And there were several other actors who were offered the role before it was finally given to Tim Allen. Like the moment the script was out there, Tim Allen wanted this movie and Disney was like, no. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to read you the, the list of actors okay. who, were, who were offered. We have Robin Williams. Okay. Tom, yeah. Tom Hanks. Chevy okay. Chase. Okay. John Ritter. Okay. Kurt Russell. Okay. Tom Selleck. John Travolta. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson, aka mm -hmm. Mis Mr. Bean. I don't know if you. Okay. Yes, yeah. okay. I do know Mr. Bean well. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I would have. Yeah. Mike Myers, Michael, okay. Ke Michael Keaton, mm. Jerry Seinfeld, mm. Alan Rickman. Okay. <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Mel Gibson, Jeff Bridges, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Harrison Ford. Those, those were all the actors that were list, offered the role before uh, and turned it down before it finally went to Tim Allen. Also, they were like, well, who's done an action movie? Just yeah. choose that man. 
Well, John Ritter was also offered to play Neil in the movie, which mm-hmm. I could I could see why they would offer him both roles. I could see this movie with any one of these people playing it, except for two. I don't really necessarily know that would be, I mean, Rowan Atkinson is, is funny, but I don't know if it's necessarily in his wheelhouse to play this type of character. And yeah, the, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I don't know if. Yeah. Mm. And then I personally just don't like Harrison Ford. So I could see him playing this, but I, I just, he would be a much more miserable Scott Calvin than, uh, than Scott yeah. Calvin is supposed to be. Um, but I could see any one of these actors like doing it. Chevy Chase is a little weird, but um, it's interesting too, because I know Kurt Russell has played Santa Claus. Tom Hanks has voiced Santa Claus. I'm trying to, mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges has played Santa Claus like a couple of these and even um now they have those commercials where um John Travolta is playing Santa Claus I think they're mm-hmm. like f- for Capital One or whatever but uh so some of these people actually have played Santa Claus in different things but yeah I don't think Harrison Ford would be right the right choice that's just me personally I, I don't I don't care for Harrison Ford as an actor come at me Star Wars fans um I'll prove you wrong every time but, but yeah, I don't know. I just, it would have been a very- I can diff- see how they wrote this for Robin Williams though. That does- They wrote it for Bill Murray. Bill, Bill Murray, yeah. Or, yeah. Bill Murray makes sense. Mm-hmm. Robin Williams also would have made a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think Robin, Bill Murray makes sense. Robin Williams makes sense. Tom Hanks could have worked. Chevy Chase, it would have been a very different movie, but it could have worked. John Ritter could have worked. Kurt Russell is a fantastic actor, so that would have been fine with anything. Tom Selleck is a little weird. In my yeah, opinion. I was like, I don't know if like I see Tom Selleck doing something like this. But. Yeah, like I have to think back to 1994. He was a big leading man back then, so maybe John Travolta. I mean, they do seem like they kind of went with a lot of the big names and yeah. like, but a lot of these people, I'm like, I get like Scott Calvin is supposed to be like, kind of a rich but like also this is a very family-friendly like funny movie at the same time and like some right. of them I'm like I don't know if I could see them being the, this that like that funny in this part of their careers anyway like mm-hmm. well I mean a lot of some of them Robin Williams Mike Myers Michael Keaton well yeah all, yeah like those ones yeah, yeah. Uh, Alan Rickman is, is is an interesting choice because I mean he really didn't get famous until the 90s. Later on. Yeah, because of like Die Hard and everything like that. So, and it's just, he's so British. Like, I wonder if the movie would have been, like if they would have, I, I never heard him do an American accent. So I would imagine they would just make it a British movie instead. Like instead of being in Chicago or whatever, yeah. it, would, it would take place in London. But that that too would have been a very different movie in my opinion, having Alan Rickman because he's much more of a serious actor. I mean, he can do funny too, but eh. but yeah. And then you look at uh, like Mel Gibson and it's like, oi. <laughs> but 1994, yeah. they didn't really know how terrible of a person he was. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. so that, that was the last bit of trivia that I thought was a little fun. I'm going to go into my overall score now, if that's okay with you. Okay, sounds good. So I wrote down, I think that this is a fine movie. I feel like this movie is to cr- the Christmas season what Hocus Pocus is to the Halloween season. Some people really love it. Others, like me, think that it's just fine. I wish that the side characters were a little more fleshed out and had more depth to them. 
but perhaps that'll be expanded upon in the sequels, which I know I've seen the se- each sequel once, and I more clearly remember the third movie than I do the second one. Like, I know the second one, he has to get a wife, but um, the third one, I remember much more clearly. And I did watch a review of the second movie recently, and like, oh boy, <laughs> it's uh, not good. No, so. uh, that's a shame. But I don't, I really don't think like this movie is like, I would say it's a classic. It's okay. You're right. It's very hocus pocus like that. Like it's a weird classic that just kind of exists. Mm-hmm. People watch it. It's definitely on like free form on the 25 days of Christmas, but right. like, I don't, it doesn't really hold up to anything. I think it's just one of those things like, we watch this because we watch it, not because we really should still be watching it. We should probably put it down and yeah, not pick it back up again. Yeah. And I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, I gave it a 7 out of 10. So Okay. Anything else you'd like to say about the film? or? I mean, it's just another Tim Allen project. Yeah. You know, it's I forget... Um, I briefly watched his one show, Last Man Standing, it was called. And they did a Christmas episode where his wife on that show wanted him to dress up like Santa Claus. And he had a line saying something to the effect of me as Santa Claus. No one's ever going to believe that or something. And the audience, ah, ha, 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 because of these movies. Like, yeah, obviously, like, I think that's probably the role that he'll be remembered for. If it's not home improvement, then he'll be remembered for being Santa Claus. No, no. This I mean, is, the oh. man is also in Toy Story, so. Uh, yeah. But, like, I don't know. I guess he, like, he is the voice of Buzz Lightyear. But I don't, for me, I don't really think of, I, when I watch animated movies, I don't really think of the actors that played them. Like, even. Accurate, I suppose. Yeah. Even, like, the genie. Like, I don't think of, like, Robin Williams when I think of the genie. I think of the genie as a separate character that Robin Williams voiced and everything. And granted, he gave, he made the genie way more than it was supposed to be in that movie and, like, gave it more lines than he was supposed to have. But, like, that's probably the most famous. My point being is that, like, I think that would definitely, is definitely going to be a bigger part of his legacy than you would think because, uh, you know. Yeah, no, there's been four Toy Story movies with I hear rumors of another one coming. I don't know how true that is. I don't know what they're, they were, they're going to do exactly, but I mean, they're doing that Buzz Lightyear show and it's not Tim Allen voicing it there. So. No, but that's also because it's Buzz Lightyear as in the toy, the man the toy is based off of. So like they're getting away with it because it's not the toy. It's Yeah. Yeah, that's, and they had that Buzz Lightyear cartoon years ago and it wasn't Tim Allen doing it then either. So yeah, I don't know, isn't yeah. Well, you're probably right. He probably for most people he is more recognized as the voice of Buzz Lightyear. I would say probably home improvement, because I mean his character's name is Tim on that show. He's, yeah, you know, he's Tim the Tool Man Taylor. And uh it's probably his most famous project that he did. Then yeah. probably then probably the Toy Story movies, then this, I would say. But without anything else, let's dive into the outro. This has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. 
follow us on our social media accounts once again pod all one word on twitter and instagram if you would like to contribute to the podcast we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash once again pod as always a like follow or share would be greatly appreciated thank you and have a wonderful day and remember we will entertain you we will always entertain you Thank you.